Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. Our show is about to begin. Our in-depth look at The Empire Strikes Back continues. This is The Soundtrack Show. Welcome back to The Soundtrack Show. I'm your host, David W. Collins, and today we're continuing our look at Star Wars Episode V, The Empire Strikes Back, a film from 1980 with a film score by John Williams. Last time, we looked at the beginning of the film, which takes place on the planet Hoth. Today we're going to be focusing mainly on the middle of the film, which sees our characters split into two separate storylines. Han, Leia, Chewbacca, and C-3PO on the run from an Imperial fleet of Star Destroyers and all of the musical adventures that that brings, while Luke Skywalker is in the swamp of Dagobah with a wise Jedi Master named Yoda. Besides taking a listen to the fantastic music, we'll also take a listen to even more cues that didn't make the cut of the film, or some cues that were changed. First, we're not quite done with Hoth. There are a couple of fascinating moments where music was omitted or swapped with other music that provides even more insight into the filmmaker's process of fine-tuning the tone of this film. After looking at all of these moments together, we'll really see just how much thought went into the music in each and every sequence of Empire. Because even after all this time, I'm still amazed by the quality of the music that was omitted or replaced. I mean, it must have been heartbreaking to let some passages go from the final film. Yet, they clearly demonstrate that each time this happened, it was because they wanted the film to get better and better in the post-production process. And I think they succeeded brilliantly. So back to Hoth. Now, at one point in the movie, Han Solo and Luke Skywalker spend the night out in the freezing snow. The following morning a search party of snowspeeders is launched in an effort to find them. Ooh, this music is exciting. It really drives the action forward and it's got this kind of pounding, really satisfying rhythm. Such a memorable sequence as we're treated to footage of gorgeous daytime snowbanks just whizzing past us. But this music that we're hearing wasn't written for this scene. What was originally written for this scene went like this. A little bouncier, with high woodwinds sounding off, almost like the call signs of Rogue Squadron. Ah, and a little DS Irae. After all, they are afraid that their search will come up empty and that our heroes have frozen to death. Well, if that cue wasn't used for the sequence, where did that used music actually come from? It was taken from a completely different scene. At the end of the film, 
When our heroes are desperately trying to escape Cloud City, Luke is finally aboard after his terrible ordeal with Vader, we hear this. Notice how we hear Leia's theme when we see Leia. All right, Chewie, let's go. And we hear the droid's theme when we're with R2 and 3PO. Noisy brute. Why don't we just go into light speed? You can't. How would you know the hyperdrive is deactivated? The city's central computer told you. R2-D2, you know better than to trust a strange computer. Ouch! Pay attention to what you're doing! Now, let's listen to the final Hoth snowspeeder sequence as it appears in the film. Ah, they fade this borrowed cue up underneath loud snowspeeder sound effects. Base. I've got something. Not much, but it could be a life form. Commander Skywalker, do you copy? Listen to how they edit the queue to carefully omit the appearance of Leia's theme or the droid's two. theme. Captain Solo, do you copy? Commander Skywalker, do you copy? This is Rogue Two. There's that trumpet triplet figure again, a sign of music editing happening under the scene. This is Rogue Two. And finally, the scene ends with the originally intended cue making a brief appearance as our heroes are picked up. Phew, movie magic at work. Now, why the change, though? In our last episode, I speculated that music was being cut to keep the drama grounded and save the real drama for later. Well, <laughs> this cue is doing the opposite here. It's heightening the drama. Why? I'm obviously guessing here, but I think it has something to do with the visceral pacing of the footage itself. We're treated to this very fast, very smooth helicopter footage captured on location in Norway that really brings these speeders to life. It just feels exciting. It has this kind of up-tempo kineticism to it. Perhaps the filmmakers felt that this cue, the one they ultimately ended up using, just had more impact than the one that Williams initially wrote. I agree with them. And really, there are no broad rules here. You know, like, oh, we're trying to heighten the drama in this scene, even though we were trying to diminish it before. There's no, there's no global rule. Contradictions should be welcomed scene to scene. It's just every scene within itself just has to feel right. So this scene was crafted as an up moment, and it really works as the final scene to this whole opening Wampa chapter of Empire. Now our palates are cleansed, and we're ready for what's next. Speaking of which, we never got closure on that whole probe droid thing. Well, it comes back to haunt our heroes, but in the film, it plays without music. Well, I guess you don't know everything about women yet. No music here, just Han getting called to the command center. 
After witnessing a kiss that's more than awkward, in retrospect. Excuses, please. Anyway, Chewie and Han then go out into the snow, searching for this probe droid. It isn't friendly, whatever it is. Come on, Chewie, let's check it out. Send Rogue 10 and 11 to station 38. We don't get music until we finally catch up with the Imperial fleet at the very end of this sequence, where, of course, we get the Imperial march. We better start the evacuation. Well, it's time for more restored music. Williams originally scored this whole passage. Let's take a listen. The music sneaks in here as Han goes to the command center. Take it easy. Excuse us, please. Princess, we have a visitor. We picked up something outside the base of Zone 12 moving east. It's metal. Then it couldn't be one of those creatures. Could be a speeder, one of ours. No. Wait, there's something very weak coming through. Sir, I am fluent in six million forms of communication. This signal is not used by the Alliance. It could be an Imperial code. It isn't friendly, whatever it is. Come on, Chewie, let's check it out. Send roads 10 and 11 to station 3. And now, they meet the probe droid out in the snow. droids almost personified by clarinets screeching into their high register, with muted trumpets giving the droid a mischievous personality. Now, a slow build to the Imperial March begins. We better start the evacuation. And now we get the full melody. Why the change? Why lose the music here? Well, for one, I think once the music cue was changed at the top of the film that we played in the last episode, it was changed to be more subdued. This sneering personification of a pesky probe droid doesn't quite fit the pickup. They're kind of doing away with that musical treatment of the probe droid altogether. And somehow, 
the droid is far more terrifying with just Ben Burtt's sound effects and no music. But what about that cool lead-up of tension to the Imperial March? Well, I, I think it works. But what I think the filmmakers may have felt didn't work is the very slow tempo of that Imperial March. What they opted for instead for the first full statement of the Imperial March in Empire is what sounds like just a needle drop of the concert arrangement recording of the Imperial March with an edited ending. We better start the evacuation. It's much more lively, fast-paced, and I think ultimately is the right choice. There's one more thing on Hoth that I want to point out. Some listeners noted that the music I played in the last episode also contained an omitted passage that I didn't mention, and that is the opening piano riff from the Battle of Hoth. As cool as that intro is, it actually doesn't appear in the film. Feeling all right, sir? Just like new, Dak. How about you? Right now, I feel like I take on the whole empire myself. I know what you mean. No music here. Station 3TA. And the Battle of Hoth Q picks up here. When we return, we'll listen to another show-stopping musical cue from John Williams as our heroes, against all odds, try to successfully evade the Imperial fleet, and even navigate through an asteroid field. And now for a brief intermission. We return now to the soundtrack show. We open on a menacing statement of the Imperial March as the Falcon stares down the barrels of an entire Imperial fleet of Star Destroyers. The music pulses as our heroes realize that they have no means of escape, no hyperdrive. After a failed attempt to repair it on the fly, which is insane by the way, they feel an asteroid hit the hull. Without even thinking twice about it, our ace hotshot pilot and smuggler Han Solo makes the impulsive yet life-saving decision to fly into an asteroid field, which is even more insane. The music bounces. The strings soar and then glissando downward, as if the melody itself is out of its mind. 
In the middle of an asteroid field, narrowly escaping both asteroids and TIE fighters, the full peril of Solo's decision is crushing the Falcon crew with fear. soars over 3PO's screams. Finally, in the clear, they look for a place to hide inside one of the bigger asteroids. Han has saved the day, instinctively, and Han and Leia's theme plays. I have to tell all of you that are listening that that piece is probably one of my favorite uh, pieces from Star Wars of all time. Um, it just has everything. It's just so chaotic and filled with energy. And I mean, I guess the, the best way to say it is it just rocks really hard. I mean, I, I think sometimes an orchestral mix has to, you know, keep dialogue in mind. It has to keep sound effects in mind. So sometimes things like percussion can be mixed down into the back of the mix, um, especially when you have all these explosions and things going on. But I have this recording of this piece done by the Utah Symphony Orchestra from an album of them doing selections from the classic trilogy where they're not having to worry about dialogue or anything like that. They're just playing full blast. And when you hear that percussion and those parts, I mean, the piece... Just it just rocks. Bam, you know. little sidebar in case you're one of those uh, music collectors that likes to listen to different performances of pieces, which I really do. Anyway, as I said, for now, the Falcon is safe. Meanwhile, Luke Skywalker has crash landed on Dagobah, a swamp planet that he was sent to by Obi-Wan in order to search for the mysterious Jedi Master, Yoda. As R2 falls into the swamp and has a scene with a swamp creature that swallows and then spits him out, we hear that droid theme again several times. No, RT, you stay put. I'll have a look around. R2? R2! Where are you? First, as R2's telescope appears above the water. R2! 
There's the theme. You be more careful. Then again, as we see the back of the swamp creature. R2. That way. Then again, as R2 has been swallowed, where did he go? And finally, as Luke is looking for R2 after being spit out for not tasting very good. That's another example of the droids theme to kind of illustrate that, yes, this was a theme that that Williams was developing throughout the entire movie. So now eventually Luke does accidentally meet Yoda. In their first humorous scene, there's actually no music playing in the final movie. Just Yoda and Luke getting to know each other. <laughs> Wars not make one great. <laughs> <laughs> Put that down. Now we. Hey! It's my dinner! How you get so big eating food of this kind? Listen, friend, we didn't mean to land in that puddle, and if we could get our ship out, we would, but we can't, so why don't you just. Get your ship out! Hey, get out of there! No! But here, yet again, is a scene that Williams did originally score with music. It's subtle, but Williams penned a light sort of pizzicato strings and winds version of Yoda's theme throughout this scene. Let's take a listen to the music restored back into their first meeting. <laughs> Great warrior. <laughs> Wars not make one great. <laughs> <laughs> Put that down. Now we. Hey! It's my dinner! How you get so big to do food of this kind? Listen, friend, we didn't mean to land in that puddle, and if we could get our ship out, we would, but we can't, so why don't you just. get your ship out! Hey, get out of there! No! Hey, you could have broken this. Don't do that. <laughs> oh, you're making a mess. Hey, fine, or I will help you not. I don't want your help. I want my lamp back. I'm gonna need it to get out of this slimy mud hole. Mud hole? Slimy? My home, this is. Aren't you let him have it? R2! Move along, little fellow. We got a lot of work to do. No, no, no. Can't help you, I will. Find your friend? I'm not looking for a friend. I'm looking for a Jedi Master. 
Jedi Master Yoda. You seek Yoda. You know him? Mm. Take it to him, I will. <laughs> yes, yes, but now we must eat. Come. <laughs> Good food. Come. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how much it's needed here. Maybe it tips the hat too early to Yoda's true identity. And the comedy feels maybe more natural without the music commenting on it. I think this is, again, a great choice by Kirsch, Lucas, and Williams. In this case, less is more. The Soundtrack Show will continue in a moment. We return now to The Soundtrack Show. Boy, there's a lot of cut music here, you might be thinking to yourself. Why? Well, one reason that I'd suggest is if you're not sure whether a scene does need music or whether it doesn't, just order it up and try it. Perhaps it does. It's hard to tell during an early cut, before the genius of Ben Burt, the sound effects, and before the actors have been looped, how a scene is going to play without music. But at least this way, when Williams scored these scenes, they had options at the end. It's actually kind of a smart way to do it if you can afford it and if one is not overly precious about these cues, which, by the way, I think these pieces of music are absolutely stunning in their own right. Anyway, back to Dagobah. I'd like to play a scene of Luke training in the swamp. Luke has Yoda in a backpack, and he's climbing trees, swinging, doing flips, etc. Yes, a Jedi's strength flows from the Force, but beware of the dark side. When you're calm, at peace, passive, a Jedi uses the force for knowledge and defense, never for attack. But tell me why I can't... No, no, there is no why. <sighs> Nothing more will I teach you today. Clear your mind of questions. Finally, they come to rest, and Yoda tells Luke to clear his mind. Here's yet another scene that originally did have music. Let's listen to what Williams wrote. Wow, just like the previous cut Yoda piece, this one is kind of bouncy and magical, almost lighthearted. And when Luke flips over the log, Williams Mickey Mouses it here and Luke keeps running. We hear Yoda's theme. Yes, the Jedi's strength flows from the Force, but beware of the dark side. We hear the Imperial March when the dark side is mentioned. If once you start down the dark path, forever will it dominate your destiny, consume you at will, as it did Obi-Wan's apprentice. Vader, is the dark side stronger? No. Your more seductive. But how am I to know the good side from the bad? You will know when you are calm, at peace. And finally, 
passive. We hear the Force theme. A Jedi uses the Force for knowledge and defense, never for attack. But tell me why I can't... No, no, there is no why. <sighs> Nothing more will I teach you today. Clear your mind with questions. Interesting that this was cut. I like to think that without music, the training feels more like a grind, like hard work. It kind of puts us in the moment with Luke. I also think that when you strip out the music, it's done so to really punctuate what happens next. A sequence that absolutely undoubtedly needs music. The moment Luke enters the cave beneath the tree and has a vision of Darth Vader. This following sequence is unique, by the way, because it happens without explanation and is the first time in the Star Wars universe, beyond a quick effect shot here and there, where slow motion camera work is featured throughout the entire exchange. It's a, it's a film sequence kind of out of time and out of the film's own reality. So music in this following scene must be impactful and do a lot of the work. One trick that John Williams uses for impact in this cave scene is an instrument that makes its very first appearance in Star Wars, and most people don't realize that it's there. This is actually a good piece of trivia that you can use when you're surrounded by other Star Wars fans, and it's this. Williams prominently uses a synthesizer in this scene in Empire. Once you hear it, it will seem loud and obvious every time you hear it moving forward. Let's take a listen. The music does a great job setting the mood here and building suspense. Low brass and low woodwinds warn us of the dangers that Luke is about to face. And finally, Vader appears. And so does a synthesizer here. And here are those synth notes. There. There. And now, the synth loudly warbles in the mix as Luke strikes. It almost feels like a synth-led homage to Bernard Herrmann's shower scene music from Psycho as Vader is beheaded. Finally, Luke sees his own face inside Vader's helmet. And the cue is finished off with Luke's theme in a minor key. It's another example of how we never get a happily stated version of Luke's theme or the main title throughout Empire Strikes Back. And here, certainly, we're treated to Luke's theme in a minor key to underpin the fact that beneath this swashbuckling space adventure that we know of as Star Wars actually lies the Greek tragedy of Darth Vader and his family. And we, like Luke, are going to learn of its existence for the first time later on in this film. This duel in the cave is merely a shadow of what is yet to come. As always, I love hearing from you. If you have any thoughts on this or any other episode, please email me at the soundtrack show at iheartpodcastnetwork.com or hit us up on Facebook or Instagram at soundtrackshowhsw 
or on Twitter at SoundtrackHSW. I'm also on Twitter at David W. Collins. Thank you. Thank you.